We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. will continue Overreaction Tuesday in Rapid Fire. Jesse, are you ready for Rapid Fire? I'm ready. Take it easy on your microphone. It sounds like you've been trying to beat up your microphone over there. <laughs> I'm just fired yeah. up today. It's Overreaction Tuesday. Yeah, baby. Stymie says, field goal unit is a disaster. Is that enough of an overreaction? Hey, with the sample size, I don't I don't think so. He may, It was only one field goal and he missed it. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction myself. It's like, calm down. I do want to see the the guy, you know, Schrader go out there and kick a field goal when it counts. It would, like, I, w- I was thinking about it when it happened. It's almost like bringing a closer into a non-save situation, right? You know, like, you still want to see that guy go out there and throw strikes. You're a kicker. You want to see him go out there and kick that field goal, no matter what the situation is. Hopefully, you know, the, 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 the stakes don't have to be high for him to do it. You want to see him get a little confidence, get that first kick out of his way in a Notre Dame uniform. But at the same time, you don't want to see field goals this Saturday, right? You didn't want to see field goals last week either, the way things are going. And it was a little bit ironic that the only field goal situation that came up for Notre Dame last week was when they had the ball in plus territory to start the possession. They started off at the Navy 36-yard line, and then they end up having to settle for a field goal that they're not even able to kick. So, Lance Hab applying my overreaction to this week against Tennessee State. Notre Dame defense will have eight or more sacks this week. That it's is a, a sack lot. Sack per possession. That is a lot. I'd say five. Give me, give me a solid five. I'm in the six range. I think that's a good. That's a good one though. I like that. I like that a lot. We'll come back to a couple here in a little bit. Marcus Freeman's changing the team's weekly schedule a bit in his second season. They practiced on Sunday, had Monday off last year, but they're flip-flopping it this year. It's going to look a little bit different this year, and here's his explanation as to why. Science, player feedback. Um, Now, some of them are kind of, you know, some are, they like it, and some like the Sunday practice, some didn't. So I, I don't take too much into that. Uh, 
but it's ultimately I have to just make a decision what I think is best for Saturday. And and each place is different. And that's probably the biggest thing I've learned in a year of experience is you can't just take a plan and say it worked for me as a player or it worked at a previous place I was at and it's going to work at Notre Dame. Right? You've got to take into consideration what they're asked to do on a Monday here compared to what it was like somewhere else. And so that's kind of the biggest thing. I wanted them to truly have a day off on paper. Like every, you get one day off, but I wanted them to be able to, you know, take Sunday and really work academically, you know, and, and you don't have anything mandatory from us on Sunday. Like academics are, are so important. They have to have time to really work at that. Um, and and also the lifting part of what we're asking them to do. So I, a lot of things went into that decision. It can, it's not just one thing. A lot of things went to that decision. I think. So a lot of things went into the decision. What do you think about making that little subtle move? You know, last year I was actually pretty surprised when I heard that Marcus Freeman was going to be having practices on Sunday because when I played, um, and again, it wasn't at the level of Notre Dame or anything, but it, it, to me it was a common kind of trend that I noticed, you know, no matter the level was, you know, Sundays were off. Um, it, it allowed for, you know, the, the body to recover after a long game. And then to me, another aspect of it is, you know, as a head coach and a coaching staff, how much preparation can you actually get done between end of game Saturday and by the time practice starts on Sunday, right? Because you want, at that point, you've already moved on to the next week, right? And so to me, it's how much as a head coach can you have prepared, if you're going to have a legit practice, right? Like a week, a, a, an actual practice that is going towards Tennessee State in this case, how much can you actually have prepared by Sunday that is actually, you know, that is going to be legitimately beneficial for your preparation in Tennessee State? So that always kind of confused me. And I think Marcus Freeman brings up another good point here of the academics, right? Like that's the end of the week. It's the, it's the beginning of the academic week or the school week. And so a lot of these guys need to get caught up on Sunday, right? Classes yeah. start again on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I, I think in, the academics is a, is a big part. Something that I didn't actually take in, into consideration for a lot of these guys is, you know, getting their work kind of prepared or caught up, you know, for the week after a long weekend. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is, just the overall recovery, it didn't really make sense because when you're playing on Saturday, a full game and going into Sunday, it was always, you know, light jogging, a little bit of lifting, just stuff to kind of really help your muscles kind of recover. And I think that's what you're going to see more so on Sundays now is a little bit of, you know, lifting, a little bit of maybe, you know, a light jogging or cardio. And then they'll get into the film room and, and kind of break down and dissect, you know, what happened on Sunday so or Saturday. So I think logistically it makes a ton more sense. Um, and I think maybe another thing that could have played into it is, you know, you don't want your guys going out partying too hard after a win on Saturday <laughs> night, you want them to be accountable yeah. on Sunday. And, 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 and that's, that's the number one thing to hold young guys accountable is make giving them an early alarm and making them kind of show up somewhere, uh, knowing, you know, that w what goes on after games on Saturdays. But personally, I think they work hard all week. If they get a win on Saturday, they deserve to go they're still college students go to their party or whatever it is that they're going to do, you know, and, and like the recovery piece is the biggest thing because I would have thought that whether it's ice baths or massages, or like you said, a light jog or whatever it happens to be after you're going out there and getting in all those car crashes all day, Saturday afternoon, I would think that you would go to, you know, go to the chiropractor, whatever it is. I would think that you would want to let the body kind of recoup, recover a little bit, 
on Sunday, not have to worry about any of the physical stuff. And they're making the change this year. So they obviously, as he said, some science went into it, some player input went into it, some other things, the academic aspect went into it as well. So I think it's going to be a good move for them ultimately. And I always, uh, I always found it funny on our, our Sunday practices, uh, you know, we all, again, we always did a, a, about 30 minutes of cardio. It was called the extra. You, you would jog the sidelines and then sprint corner to corner, jog the sidelines, sprint corner to corner. So you're making an X across the football field. Um, and, and let's just say it, it was very obvious that the guys that had a little fun the night before. <laughs> and it came to the point where they did started they leave removing, a trail. Did they, they leave started a trail removing trash cans from the sideline uh, because, yeah, you know. Ugh. Man, <laughs> sounds like more than a little fun that was being had out there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fill in the blank. It's blank. Paul Feinbaum says Notre Dame is a pretender, not a contender, saying their schedule is too tough and is going to do them in. It's typical. It's pre-recorded. It's the same thing <laughs> over and over again with Paul Feinbaum. Like, I get it. You know, what has Notre Dame shown in the last two decades that they're legit contenders, right? They get to the college football playoff. They haven't won. They've been to the New Year's Six Bowl games. They haven't won any of those. So is Paul Feinbaum – uh, probably, you know, he, does he have a good track record? Well, of course, well, if you're going to say the same thing over and over again, then uh, Ultimately, you're, you're, some of it's going to stick. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's, you know, it, most of it in this case is probably going to stick, but you know, I, I think instead of Paul Feinbaum going down this road of constantly kind of, uh, you know, telling us why Notre Dame can't be successful or why they won't be successful and saying that their schedule is going to be the downfall of them. Why not maybe go in the reverse direction? Why not maybe go down the path of what could happen if Notre Dame does, you know, beat an Ohio State and USC in the same calendar year? And I think that would that would be more um, more of a talking point than just going through the same notion or same pre-recorded speech every year of 
why Notre Dame isn't going to do X, Y, and Z, and maybe say what Notre Dame needs to do to get to X, Y, and Z, and what it means if Notre Dame can beat Ohio State and USC in the same calendar year. So to me, that's that's where I'm at on this kind of situation. I think that USC's defense might like a word with Paul Feinbaum <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they struggled against some San Jose State, huh? I think it is still going to be an issue this year. And when you look at the physicality Notre Dame has up front, this it, that's going to be a lot different matchup this year compared to last year. Those, those the, the battle in the trenches on both sides between Notre Dame and USC. And you can include Ohio State in that picture as well. And they just finally settled on a quarterback at Ohio State. Kyle McCord is going to be the quarterback. There could be – that'll be – That'll be game four for them. It'll be game five for Notre Dame. What is Kyle McCord going to look like in those first three weeks? Are there going to be doubts about We know that he's got receivers, but are they? Are those receivers going to have a quarterback who can get them the ball? We know that Notre Dame now has both receivers and a quarterback who can get them the ball. I think there are enough questions for both of those teams that you can't write Notre Dame off against either of the are they tough opponents of course they're tough opponents you've got to have tough opponents if you're ultimately that you need to be able to win those well, games if you're ultimately going to be a playoff team anyway said, oh Notre Dame doesn't play anyone Notre Dame doesn't play anyone their schedule's right. too weak and now it's oh the flip side oh their schedule's too hard they're just going to get dominated and, and and that's what's going to take care of them this year that's exactly right so people are fired up about the new game clock rules the clock doesn't stop of course after first downs anymore I was amazed at how much complaining I saw <laughs> after the fact, even about the play clock. Now I've got some data to, to back some Uh-oh. of my stuff up. So I don't know if you want to hear it first, but I'll just ask you, do you buy or sell the new game clock rules after watching one Notre Dame football game? You know, I, I, I buy these. There's no reason, you know, I, I'm, I'm a college football fan. I'm a Notre Dame fan. I, I will watch as much Notre Dame football as I possibly can, but that doesn't mean I want to be watching four to five hour games. And I mean, you know, five hours, obviously um, an exaggeration, but uh, you know, it was great to see what, when, and I think it was exaggerated for the Notre Dame Navy game because Notre Dame just kept getting first down after first down, not a lot of incomplete passes. And then Navy on the flip side is just running triple option after triple option after triple option. So that, that game, it, it, it's going to go by fast because again, Notre Dame scoring a lot of points Navy is not scoring a lot of points, but they're not throwing incomplete passes. They're just running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. And so you're going to naturally see a faster pace of game. I don't mind the game getting over at three, three and a half hours, as long as the product is still good. If the product is not compromised by the clock rules, I have no re I have no issue with the new clock rules. As long as, as again, the product isn't compromised. And I think you saw a lot faster game this past weekend than what you're going to see because you're going to see more incomplete passes, and their name's not just going to be able to roll through drives like they did uh, on Saturday. Steve Shaw is the national coordinator of college football officials, and they were anticipating seven to eight plays per game to be all that's eliminated with the new rule. But So it's like seven to eight plays per game. Over a 12-team regular season schedule, that's around 95 plays eliminated over the course of a season, which is... It's like the, especially when they're expanding the college football playoff next year, that's part of why they want to do this. But, you know, like eliminate some of those extra plays, the, you know, the jarring to the, because you're basically talking about close to a whole game being eliminated. Because I saw some data 
that was released from this week zero, the games, there were seven games. They averaged 63.3 plays per team in three hours and 24 minutes. You compare that to last season, 68.7 plays per team, three hours and 27 minutes. So it is only a loss of five plays per team and three minutes per game. Now, here's what I found really interesting. Looking at Notre Dame Navy this year versus Notre Dame Navy last year. This year's game lasted two hours and 50 minutes compared to almost three and a half hours last year. But when you look at the actual plays, this is crazy. Notre Dame ran 57 plays to Navy's 55 in this year's game. Last year, Notre Dame ran 55 plays to Navy's 59, and the game lasted a half an hour longer. So they ran basically the same amount of plays this year in a game that was 30 minutes shorter in comparison. Yeah, and I think that goes kind of back into what I was talking about a little bit. We saw more incompletions, more punts, more drives stalled last year. Um, I think that this game this year uh, would have been, you know, probably around the same, if not a little bit longer, had Notre Dame just not dominated the entire game. They got the stops defensively and offensively. They just, Sam Hartman had like four incomplete passes, you know, like, the clock was just continuously rolling because of Notre Dame's dominance. And I, and I think that happens regardless of clock rules or not. Chi-Town says there's only 13 games. Why should we want to shorten them? I mean, do you really get that much more out of five plays per game? Like, like, are you really gaining anything <laughs> as a fan with that? Like USC versus San Jose State, three hours and 26 minutes. One team ran 66 plays. The other ran 69. So I think that that's, again, like when you're playing an option team, Navy's games are always going to be a little bit shorter because of all the running and there there are many fewer (coughs) incompletions. So there's always going to be a running clock when Navy has the football. But most games are still going to come up just around three and a half hours and and each team is more likely than not going to run 60 plus plays i just i really i think people are blowing it out of proportion i I just don't think like i i didn't think that i that the product was diminished at all on saturday watching that game because because the clock ran a little bit more and it came up just short of three hours i didn't find anything bad about that at all notre dame gave up zero sacks against navy after being sacked five times Last year, over under 19 and a half sacks. I got a little net flying around in here. 19 and a half sacks Notre Dame will allow this season. Uh, I you must have missed the bold prediction show because I <laughs> took this at like under, I think, 11. So this oh. is a big under for me. I think 19 and a half is really similar to what they ended up with last year. 21 is what they gave up last year. Yeah. So, you know, if you take the over, that's obviously 20, which would be one short of 21. Um, I think they're drastically better just because of quarterback play this year, knowing when to get rid of the ball, knowing how to uh, elude pressure, et cetera. And I think you have, honestly, I think you're going to have a better offensive line as a unit this year um, as well. You know, you got experienced tackles. You have the best tackle in the game. Um, you have a re- you know an experienced center and you have, yeah, you have two young guards, but they're tenacious and they know how to work hard. And, and, and when, when you have, you know, veterans on either side of them, I think they're going to be a really good unit. So, I'm actually going to put this – I think the, the proper number for me would be um, 10 and a half, meaning an average of wow. like one sack per game, and I, I'm going to take the under on that. I think they end up somewhere right around 
10 sacks uh, when it's all said and done. I think it's going to go under as well. There are there, There's obviously still a lot of football to play. Like what happens in this game, for example? How close does Tennessee State come? Are, are they able to make any plays in a game like this? And then obviously the level of competition is going to get better after that. But you've already got one game in hand with zero. So I agree. Maybe I should have said it a little bit lower. Like, <laughs> like not knowing what your number was going to be, I would have had it had to set it ridiculously low to really kind of make it. Any, you know, really <laughs> yeah. You couldn't predict my uh, my ten and a half. There. Yeah, I still think you know, 13, 14, like one per game type. That's deal. where I think it's going to come out to. I think it's going to be somewhere around one per game when it's all said and done. Yeah, and this, just like we saw, it's not going to be limited. To Navy, when you've got a veteran quarterback like Sam Hartman, so many of those guys almost want you to blitz them because that 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 helps them kind of dictate where the ball should going. And there's just man coverage and shocker. Yeah. There are hot route receivers now. Like we we didn't always see that in the past, right? Right. <sighs> By the way, I haven't seen a line yet. I, have you been able to find a line? No, I, it's been weird because everyone, like every other game, has aligned so far except this Notre Dame game. I don't know what their way. I, I, I think that they got. I think that they got cooked last week um, uh, uh, by the Notre Dame game, and I think they're being very that, cautious with. They cooked the themselves line. because they st- all of their lines, as we talked, like whether it was Sam Hartman's season over unders, both passing yards and touchdowns. I think they're going to get taken to town by that and. The lines that they set in last week's game were horrible. Vegas Vegas did not have a real feel for Notre Dame. The only thing, the, the line started a little bit higher for the game over-under. Not not the line, but the, the, the points total over-under was like 49.5 or something like that early on, 48.5. And, and then it dropped a little bit closer to game time, and I, I parlayed mine with a, with a lower yeah. Point total. That was the thing to do. Win. Yeah. Um, Vince I just wanted got burned to... by the higher point total. Did he? Unfortunate yes. for Vince. Yes. I hope everyone listened to our pregame show. Um, I told you the best bet in that game was to take Sam Hartman's over on two and a half touchdowns, and that was plus money. Plus money. I made. I made. It's like they were. Gi- it's like they were man. giving away free money on Notre Dame with with. With those with those numbers, man, I made a lot of money off of Sam Hartman's four touchdowns <laughs> on Saturday, and you know what? I did the math too. It, it was like you know, I know it's only one game, but I think his over under on the season was what like twenty six and a half or something like that. You take twenty seven, uh, and you, you subtract you know four out of that, and because he's already got four touchdowns, so he's at twenty three. You divide that by eleven. You're telling me Sam Hartman's not going to average two touchdowns per game the rest of the season? Get out of here! I I, they, I, you know, I told you that the money I put up on, I put up some bigger money on those Sam Hartman props. I wish I would win it more already. <laughs> I already wish I would have went more. Stimey said he took the alternate line at over nine and a half at plus two sixty. Yeah. Did you do alternate? Did you, did you remember? I, I told you up? about this too. I, so their, their, their regular season is eight and a half and that's at, you know, like minus 100, really close to even odds. Um, and then I took a step up and I bumped it up to, like he said, the alternate line at nine and a half. And basically what I did was, is I put enough down for if they win nine games, but don't quite win 
um, 10 games, then it covers my bet on the next one. So I, I, as long as they get to nine, I should cancel out. But if they get to 10, then I'm at like all, you know, profits at that point. Making I, it across the board. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that I struggled with that though. I, I had to split the split it a little bit between those two. Cause I thought I, I just kind of gave myself a security blanket on that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Jim Harbaugh as you know, is suspended for the first three games of Michigan's season. They open up this week. Instead of appointing one coach to be in charge of all three of those games, he has a four-coach plan for the three games. Defensive coordinator Jesse Mentor is going to be the game day coach against East Carolina, and then special teams coordinator and his son, Jay Harbaugh, as well as running backs coach Mike Hart. They're going to split it up, first half, second half against UNLV with each coach getting a half. And then offensive coordinator Sharon Moore, who actually has to serve a suspension of his own to start up the season, he's going to be in charge against Bowling Green. So what do you think of Jim Harbaugh's plan to split up these games and let a different coach be in charge of all of these games while he's serving a suspension? You know, I just need to put a disclaimer out there first and foremost. I I hate Jim Harbaugh. I hate <laughs> Michigan. So I had to remove the names of the, the program and the head coach when when looking at this logistically. And I'm just going to say right now, it, it, it's just a pile of crap and it's just <laughs> it's just the definition of Jim Harbaugh. He's always just doing too much, trying to outthink the room. I think he's, you know, uh, the cutting edge, you know, philosophy on this, that, and the other. I just think it adds so much confusion for your players. Just announce an interim head coach for the four games or three games, whatever it is, and and just let it run its course. I don't understand why there's got to be a head coach for this half and that half and this game and that game. The only thing I could come up with is that it provided maybe some experience for some of his younger staff, right? right? That's the only thing that I could think of that was a positive guys that have he's getting head coaching experience for guys who otherwise haven't had the opportunity to do so. But I'm here to tell you it's a pile of crap. And as a player, I think it just adds so many layers of confusion. of like, who's, who's, you know, who am I reporting to this week? Is this guy in charge? Is this guy in charge? I, I just think it's so stupid and it adds so many layers of confusion. Uh, and that's just Jim Harbaugh always outthinking himself, always trying to be on the cutting edge. Um, and I, and I don't like that. I, yes. Like when I initially saw this, like Mike Vrabel with the Tennessee Titans during an exhibition game, one of their exhibition games, he let his defensive coordinator be the head coach 
for the game because he felt like it would get like you were just talking about give him kind of give him some head coaching experience so maybe it helped him out a little bit when he was doing interviews it's like okay you could see that if you're Jim Harbaugh but doing this especially like you're going half to half like yeah like the half to half is really where I was like are you kidding me right now it's one thing game to game but half to half it would be one thing if like your offensive coordinator got one game your defensive coordinator got the other game your special teams guy got the other game but now you're even going half to half on this and aren't you really just telling your team well it doesn't matter who the head coach is well that's ultimately what he's saying is these games don't matter because oh we can just plug and place whoever we want a head coach it doesn't matter we're michigan these are crap opponents we know we scheduled weak teams we're just going to dominate them no matter what exactly i really hope it backfires on them i really hope one of these teams i don't think it's going to happen but i really hope one of these low-level teams beats them exactly exactly So Arizona State has self-imposed a one-year bowl ban this season for recruiting violations that took place during the pandemic under now former head coach Herm Edwards. Is it fair or foul that the current team should have to face these consequences when they don't even have the same head coach in charge anymore? Um, Unfortunately, yes, they should have to suffer the consequences. And uh, I do think it is unfortunate, but, uh, you know, teams have to go under some sort of punishment um, or ban uh, for their actions, right? And I know Herm Edwards uh, was ultimately the, the the main kind of catalyst for all of these, you know, bans and situations and, and, and et cetera. But you can't just commit, you know, stuff like that and, and then ultimately leave, like, right? And so uh, I think that as much as it sucks, Arizona State has to go through their year of repercussions. And I think more so Herm Edwards should have, uh, a suspension from from coaching as well and i know he's probably not going to coach um but i think herm edwards himself deserves a lot of that you know responsibility and, and some sort of punishment outside of you know team punishment because he's ultimately the person to blame for this kind of bigger um overall uh mistake see stymie and tommy both agree with me and shy town says that uh, he would find herm edwards i like just slap Arizona. Now, again, Arizona State is trying to get out in front of this. So it is a self-imposed thing. Like you would think that just you know, like find the school 250,000 bucks and, and give it to charity or something like does it really have to come to this when this like this happened during the pandemic is when all this happened. So it's three years old to begin with. And it's a coach that's not even in charge. And now you're punishing the current guys. I don't think I I absolutely don't think that uh that this current team I, I think it's completely foul. I don't think that this current team should have to pay the consequences for something that happened three years ago. And uh, John makes a good point. Like it's a good Arizona year. State has no chance of going to a bowl game. So maybe that's why they're doing it this year. It's right. Like, get out a good year to self impose, right? Yeah. <laughs> like would the NCAA say – and the NCAA is kind of going away from these kind of punishments anyway, the bowl bans and stuff like that. I don't know. I just – like if they actually were to be bowl eligible, I agree. It feels wrong to punish the kids for something they were never involved with or participated in, and the head coach is not there anyway. So – I like Irish AJ's comment. The punishment should be let Drew Pine take every snap, no matter what. Yes. 
I forgot this one from Tristan since it's overreaction Tuesday. He says, this will this Saturday <laughs> be like putting average Joes in the Olympics? <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Another good one as we zipped right through tonight. Appreciate you being here. Of course, hit that like button when you're leaving tonight. Subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast platforms. We do appreciate you as the listenership and the viewership continues to climb and climb on the Irish Breakdown platforms. Thanks again for being here, and we will talk to you tomorrow on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.